I'd like to dedicate this to all of the Creator's righteous children. I have some food in my bag for you. Not that edible food, the food you eat? No. I have some food for thought. Since knowledge is infinite, it has infinitely fell on me. So, um. It was a stormy night. You know, the kind where the lightning strikes. And I was hanging out with some of my artsy friends. Ooh, you, you. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast. This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. And today I have a very special guest with me. I love how I've, you know, throughout this time of doing this podcast, it feels like I always have, once I get into a particular wave of meeting certain individuals with certain expertise, it feels like the universe continuously just brings me more and more people who have these particular expertise, you know, and I feel like I got into my, you know, kind of wellness and spiritual bag, you know, several different episodes spread throughout the years. And I feel like I keep meeting individuals who I feel like are great candidates to bring you guys not only information, inspiration, but uh, just a beautiful conversation. Um, I didn't even try to rhyme and that kind of rhyme real quick. I like that. But (laughs) today I have with me the founder and owner of uh herbology did i say that right herbology yes herbology and um hold on uh, let me let me I, I, I want you i want you to tell me exactly i guess what would you consider your um i guess official titles but the founder of herbology i have with me today mariah emerson how you doing i'm doing great thanks for asking how are you i'm doing good i'm doing great um so so first what would you call your uh i guess what would you call yourself in terms of your expertise in general i first want to get that out the way yeah so i call myself i know myself to be a multi-hyphenate healer and so um that just really means that i follow what flows to me and some things flow to me as tools and resources that i just pick up to utilize on my journey and then there are some things that i receive clear messages that this is part of my craft. This is part of my expertise. This is something that I need to hone in on. And so um, the things that really fall under that umbrella are herbalist, ancestral healer, ethnobotanist, which is looking at herbalism and botany from a culture perspective or lens. Um, I am a sound healer. I am a business owner and yeah, founder of Herbology. I love that. So y'all already can feel what we about to talk about. And I love it already. So um, first, let's jump into the Twitter check in. So cool. for the Twitter check-in portion, um, for all those who may be listening for the first time, um, it's essentially my, um, essentially my, I guess, 
my uh, my pop culture uh, consistent segment where I always kind of tap into what's going on. Um, uh, Twitter is very black, and I and I love that about it. And so I always get to get a good sense of inspiration because it's always something going on. Today it felt a little dry to me, felt a little dry, <laughs> but something nevertheless that's always so consistent. It's something that I feel like somewhat aligns to the conversation that we're having, and that's you know looking into yourself and knowing yourself to a certain degree, um, and that's astrology. So, Ryan, what's your sign? I'm a Gemini. You are lying. I have so much Gemini in my chart. It's not even funny. <laughs> you are lying. You a Gemini? Yes, I'm a real When your birthday? Gemini. May 25th. I'm a Gemini, Mariah. Wait, what? Okay, now I know the vibes. Yes. This is, this is, this Look at it. So See, now we need to hold on because... <laughs> Uh, very, very valid and, and, and candid moment. I literally just came up with this and told you about it, you know what I'm saying, right before I hit record. <laughs> Didn't even know it. when your birthday was. Yes. Didn't even know I we were aligned at... My birthday's June the 1st. What? We're literally so close. That's so wild. close. <laughs> when were you born? 1995. I'm 25. Okay, okay. So we're a little off in years, but the but the, the the sun was in the same spot. I love it. Yes, the sun was in the same spot. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I was born in '93. Okay. Yeah, I was okay, born in '93, yeah. so just not too far. Not too far. Years. Sun was in a real close spot. Damn, yes. I'm so glad I did. That. Okay, <laughs> you know what? You just made this even more interesting. Yes, synchronicity. All the synchronicity. So, okay, so this is what I'm gonna do. This is exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna just Google in Twitter Gemini, right? Oh God. <laughs> and let you and just read off a few of the things, the first few things that I see. Okay. Because I don't know if you feel this way, but and I find it funny. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's so much Gemini slander. You know so much slander. There's so much slander. They're always trying to come for us. <laughs> so many people are trying to come for us. And what's crazy is I, I remember <laughs> I literally said this. I, I, I was on Clubhouse right before I um, uh, got set up. And, I, mm-hmm. and, we, and like I was in a room with a friend of mine here from Chicago. And it, it packed up with a lot of people. And they were talking about dating in the pandemic. And essentially what was funny about it was eventually got into the topic of people dating particular signs and what their signs are and so on and so forth. And she was leading the room and she was, she's a Gemini as well. And and me and me and her have vibed off that forever. And, um, and like I I was telling, I was, I came in and gave my two cents was like, personally, I've never met a Gemini. I didn't like, (laughs) I've dated a few, even if you have even dated a few, What's funny to me is everybody on the internet seems to have had uh, a lot of people um, have had some type of negative experience, I guess. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what's interesting about all this? The one thing I can say about the people who have had negative experiences and the people who can say nothing but good things, it sounds like everybody loves us or have, have, yeah. have fallen for us in some way, shape, or form. So something has this to be special facts. about us. You feel me? This is facts. This is so many facts. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to find some. Juicy. Um, all right, all right, all right. So this is, I'm, I'm just so, I, I just feel like I just did so much just by doing that. <laughs> <You> uh, <laughs> um, like, for here, um, at Naked Numerology on Twitter, has a list of all of the signs, and it says signs and things they do a lot. 
And guess what Gemini got? Talk. Damn, you might be a little bit clairvoyant like me too, sis. <laughs> Dead ass. It's not talk though. But what guess what it? the word is? Stalk. Stalk? That, I didn't agree with it either, but the fact that you said talk kind of is like you just missed a letter. Like you meant to say that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I'm, 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 I'm a tad bit clairvoyant. I'll be guessing shit. I don't be knowing how yes. the hell I know all the time. And I need to really get into that to learn mm-hmm. exact tap in. You feel me? But Absolutely. that works. So you got it right regardless. But like, <laughs> okay. hold on. So so your fiance, what's, what's her sign? She's a Libra. She's a Libra. So mm-hmm. Libras says laughs. That's what they do a lot. She does laugh a lot. Okay. I feel like oftentimes she's laughing at me, but I mean, I guess it still counts. (laughs) You know what? That sounds real correct. My last relationship was with with Libra, so that's funny too. Wait, Uh, what? Dead ass. Dead ass. She was was September 27th. Um, Themes of signs. No, 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 no. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So I need something juicy. Okay, so how about so what is your because you were saying um, as I as I find some other juiciness, how about you tell me about the because you say you know your natal chart, right? Yeah. Tell me, um, what's your natal chart? So I'm Gemini Sun. Mm-hmm. I'm Gemini Rising, and I'm Aries Moon. You're a Gemini sun and a Gemini rising? Yeah, I also am a Gemini Mercury. <laughs> Me too. Oh, really? Dead ass. Yeah, I have a lot of Gemini placements in my chart. I'm a um I'm a Leo rising. I'm Love a uh, um I have a Scorpio moon. Okay. And um yeah, my Mercury is um is Gemini. Yes. And you know what's crazy is every time retrograde happens, I feel like everyone else is like falling apart when I feel like I'm cool as hell. And I don't know if yeah. that means anything. Um, but that's once I like came into knowledge of, cause I never even knew about retrogrades until they became popularized and people speaking to them on, um, online. But, um, but it's interesting to me that like everybody always talks about things being in shambles and life being up in the air and them not wanting to make decisions and so many different things. And I feel like I'll be cool. Like <laughs> I'll be so yeah. cool, you know? And I, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's so interesting to me just why uh, that is. Um, I'm mad because, okay, let me look up Gemini memes. Maybe that'll give me more because that was just giving me like just straight up, uh, they were just giving me real actual Zodiac shit. And I'm like, that's not oh. what I'm thinking about. That's not what I need. I want the shit that people be saying. Because people say a lot about us. People um, say a lot about us. A lot. And what, what's the worst thing that you've read or heard? or Hopefully you haven't heard this straight to your face. But have read that you feel like really doesn't align or is a misunderstanding of the sign. Yeah, I feel like people always say that Gemini are two-faced. Yes, Like, I feel like they always say that we're phony or we're fake or we're two-faced. And I think that with all air signs, because we're mutable, because we, um, because we carry the capacity for change, I think that sometimes that throws people off because they're uncertain about, like, their own state. I think Mm. that Gemini's, we just, we know where we are. And where I am today may look radically different from where I am tomorrow. And I'm cool with that. Yes. You might not be okay with that. Yes. That's not my problem. I'm okay with that, though. 
I've been like 5,000 different people this year alone. And I think that's okay for me. I know that to be okay for me because every piece has been a part of my expansion. And I think sometimes people see that and they're like, oh, you've changed or oh, you're not coming with the same energy. Well, maybe I don't feel the same way. And if you were a communicator, like a lot of Geminis are, if you wanted to talk to me, I could tell you what happened over the course of that time that made me change my perspective or what shifted my energy. Um, And so, yeah, I just feel like that's one that comes a lot where it's just like, no, I feel like you're just not taking enough time to really understand this side and the people who, you know, are aligned with it. You know, it's crazy. I I literally, I said this uh, early and I'll say it again, because I'm not sure if I ever said it on the podcast. And that is um, we're so adaptable. And we have, um, I read somewhere years ago, somebody sent it to me because they said it described me perfectly. Um, And they were saying that Geminis tend to be um, centroverts. So like if you see the, um, essentially like the expression of personalities being either extrovert or introvert and them being on, um, on a spectrum, I guess, of, you know, you know, going both ways to a hundred and we're that perfect zero where we can be mm-hmm. balanced and good and operate in a good headspace when it comes to us being alone. But we can also mm-hmm. be the life of the party, attract people to us, be conversational, be you yes. know, social when we're amidst a lot of people. And that's something that I think um, throws people off. I, I can see mm-hmm. how that can throw people off. Why it's mm-hmm. like, damn, now you all of a sudden need space. We was just, you know, it, depending on yes. how they project whatever that you know, assumption of your behavior is. And then you have what you said, um, what you spoke to. And I think for me, I remember in in my last relationship speaking to kind of just trying to find a way to hold myself accountable, but also stay in my truth on what I really felt. And that was like, in all honesty, I don't, I don't stay with the, with the, with the negative things that I've done, because as soon Mm -hmm. as I realize those things are, things that are negative and I don't align with them. And I feel like, you know what, that was a mistake or that was what it was. I'm immediately trying to transition out of that uh, being a part of me, you yeah. know? So I'm not, I'm not staying. And I think a lot of uh, other signs may take a lot more time to, um, to process and they stay in that place of feeling, um, feeling like they've done this terrible thing and, and Same. being and staying in this place of remorse. While at least for me and my behavior, I feel like, as soon as I know, I'm apologetic. I'm remorseful in that moment. But the next day, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you that exact same energy and keep it that way and kind of keep this dark cloud of just, you know, of, of just being Eeyore-like, just like, I know I fucked up. Let me not be in the way. I'm going to immediately be like, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get on the good foot. I'm trying to be better. That's I'm going to be forward. chipper. I'm going to be change the vibe and the energy because it's like now that I know, I'm not going to act as if I don't. You know, I'm going to now yes. act differently because – to me, that's the best way to show improvement, at least. And uh, Absolutely. but you know, I get it. I get it. You know, you know, being that yeah. valuable can throw people off if they are um, not used to, um, I guess, a, a shifting and a changing, and somebody being so, uh, I guess, somewhat evolutionary to a certain degree. <laughs> Absolutely, and I feel like a piece of what you're saying too is just. And this is like just loosely tied to all of social media right now. It's not I think I see this in every topic on social media, period, right now. And it's really this motif of shame. And I feel like we don't know what to do with shame right now. Mm -hmm. So we think that by shaming ourselves and shaming others, 
we're going to create the change that we want. But we actually don't get that much from shame. And so Mm. this year, a lot of the work that I've been doing just personally in my life is really trying to assess places where I've been unnecessarily shaming myself or unnecessarily shaming my loved ones and how I can alchemize those situations for change. Like, what if I nurtured myself into change instead of shaming myself into change? Or what if I nurtured my loved one into change instead of making them feel bad for not like participating or performing in a way that I want? Um, And and obviously that is a constant uh, work, um, a constant piece of work that, I have to be committed to, but I mean, I turn, I open up social media every single day and I'm like, oh, we're shaming people for this. Oh, we're shaming people for that. We're really the, what's beneath that shame is a pure desire for change or a pure desire for equilibrium. But by separating people, we're not creating space for that. We're actually separating ourselves further and kind of just perpetuating the same thing that we said we don't want. You know what? It's crazy. I did an episode, um, believe called "Where Is Where's the Bar" earlier this year, and it was speaking to um, kind of modern dating uh, standards and things like that. And one thing that I expressed in that is the Pygmalion effect. Have you ever uh, heard about that? No, tell me more. Pygmalion effect is essentially when um, is the uh, idea or the kind of intentional behavior to encourage someone to then give them to encourage them. Give them encouragement so you can get, a, um, I guess, um, a, a specific feedback or behavior back. And what the Pygmalion effect is, is the, it, the opposite can occur, too. So the example that they gave in um, the definition when I was looking it up was imagine a coach of a, um, of a basketball team. And if there's a player that's not doing well, shaming him for not doing well won't make him want to do any better. Right. While there's if there's a player who is doing well and they may make a mistake, continuously highlighting how they can do better and how you believe they can do better and you give them room and grace to do better actually makes them want to rise to the occasion because they see that you have a higher expectation for them. Yes. But when it's when it seems like you are verbally not even projecting verbally expressing that I didn't expect you for you to even get that right. I didn't even expect Mm -hmm. you to, to do this and do that. So it's like, well, why try? You think I'm going to fail. You think I'm not going to make it. You think I'm not. So why even try? And even even to me, even for the people who do uh, fight back on that, you know, kind of that experience and they do kind of come out on the positive side of it. Think about that motivation, though, like the source of that motivation coming from such a negative place. It's dope that they transformed it. But we don't always have to have we don't we shouldn't always have to um, kind of just transfigure these uh, negative energies no. to just fuel us into life. Cause I feel like, does it only, do we only have to be, you know, go through adversity to go to get somewhere? Exactly. Or can we, can we actually be nurtured to the point to where it's okay? Yeah. Where it's like this person was, they were, they already showed signs of being good at this and people mm-hmm. just flocked to them and gave them all the resource they need. And here they are. It was a no brainer. Like why can't right. that be the, the more, the more typical story instead of it being like, just pressure makes diamonds because I feel like exactly why, why is that the only route or the majority route for so many different situations? Uh, because people call it discipline. They don't want to make you too cocky. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to feel yourself and all these different things. And to me, it's kind of like I'd rather I'd rather someone feel feel themselves to the point to where they do exactly what they feel like they want and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and grow a, a, 
a deeper connection to their intuition and their confidence and even just yes. their, their just courageousness like the 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 courageousness that you could possibly have if you just believe that you could do so many different things absolutely you know even if you fail you're gonna just the the idea of that being the foundation of you could possibly carry you a lot further um i feel like we've done we've done what we needed to do I, <laughs> Fuck Twitter. Yep. It's giving us what we needed. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I really love this. Um, but no, we can move on. To, we can move on. And I want to know and tap into who you are. Right? So I would love, love, love. So a multifaceted, multi-hyphenated um, individual that you um, self-describe yourself to be and have earned that as well. I would love for you to... Um, let 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 the people know, and especially me, um, and re- reiterated to me as well, how you how how Mariah gets to herbology. Oh, so I've always known that I was called to be a healer, and although I knew that to be a fact, I never really had a lot of examples of healers like just set in front of me outside of conventional medicine doctors and practitioners. And so immediately I thought, oh, that's what I need to be. I need to become um, an allopathic physician, which is, you know, a person who has an MD at the end of their name or an osteopath, which is a person who has a DO at the end. And they're really under that umbrella of conventional medicine as we know it in this country. Mm. And so my practice really started with, um, just wanting to become a doctor and going to um, undergrad, I still took an unconventional route, which now that I look back, I think that I just take unconventional routes as part of my path. That is just who I am. And it all makes sense now. But I took a Spanish major on a pre-med route. And the mm. reason I took a Spanish major yeah, was because crazy. I knew. <laughs> yeah, I like that, I though. Knew, I just knew that I wanted to work with black and brown communities mm-hmm. and Um, I really connected with Spanish in high school and also it clicked. It came easy for me. And, you know, I guess I can attribute a little bit, a little bit of this to, you know, Gemini people. We're just really great communicators. And so, you know, you know, know, like, oh, a whole new way, a new, a new means of communicating with more humans. Yes. Sign me up. Um, so I learned in high school that, um, the United States actually has the second largest population of native Spanish speakers on the entire globe, like more than any other country outside of Mexico. Mm. Um, all of the countries in South America, we have more Spanish speakers than entire populations for any of those countries. Um, and so, yeah. And then I started thinking, but how many of us are bilingual here, which is really wild because so many of us are not, and we should be. And so I, you know, I decided that if I'm going to work with black and brown people, I need to be able to talk to those black and brown people and an overwhelming amount of black and brown people in this country are native Spanish speakers who oftentimes can't go to physicians in this country because those physicians are not going to know how to communicate with them. I did not want that barrier. Um, and so I went to school, I went to mm-hmm. some of them or get an internship. 
And that actually happened where I had a relationship with a family where the dad was a cardiovascular surgeon and the mom was a neurosurgeon. And I asked them after, I don't even know, maybe weeks or months, of, probably months, knowing me, um, <laughs> months, me at that age. Now I feel like I would ask way earlier. But um, after working for this family for quite some time, I finally asked, like, you know, could I, what are my opportunities to work with you or to shadow you? And I'm so grateful that this family asked me this question, but they asked, why do I want to become a doctor? And I just started talking about the fact that I wanted to help people heal. And I think I really honed in on the fact that I want to teach people how to take care of themselves. And Mm. I started talking about all of these different things and really just continued the conversation with them. And I'm so grateful for their honesty because they told me, like, you don't want to be an allopath. Like, you you don't want to be an MD. You don't want to be a DO. You should look at more holistic options and it's it's one of those because it's less dependent because i mean i was so there was someone picking up their kids in the morning to take them to school there was already someone in their house in the morning making breakfast for their kids and ready to take them to school and then i would pick their kids up from school and take them home and then there would be a nanny at the house waiting um with their dinner and like to help them with their homework And then there will be someone else to help like clean up and get everything ready for the next day before the parents could even see their kids. Mm. And so I was already getting a glimpse of what happens when both parents, um, you know, have this this career. And and I'm not saying that every doctor has that as their experience, because that's definitely not truth. But for the, for these two doctors, for this family, that was their experience. And so I was already seeing that. And then, I was also starting to connect more deeply with holistic, um, just like paths of living. Um, And so these were things that I felt called to tell them about, things that I was really connected to, and they were honest with me. And I don't feel that they were trying to turn me away. I don't feel that they thought I I couldn't do it or that they thought I was, you know, unintelligent. It wasn't like that. It was literally like, I'm listening to you. I'm really listening to you. You say you want to be a doctor in this way. But what I'm hearing is that you want to help people heal. And there are other ways to do that. Mm. Now, they didn't know the full spectrum of really what was available to me, but they gave me the first sign that I need to do some digging. And so I started doing that digging and I decided, you know, I'm going to take a gap year and I'm going to just explore these topics that I've been a little bit more into. And I started doing that. Long story short, I moved back to Chicago. I'm from here, but I was living in Georgia for half my life. Mm-hmm. I moved back to Chicago, and um, I just started doing my own research and just asking myself, like, what's next for me? Where do I want to go? Where's this path supposed to take me? And I decided that I wanted to get my master's because I wanted to become an herbalist. I was like, okay, I'm really connecting with plant medicine. I want to learn more about this. I'm still really connected to the science piece. Um, and so I got my master's in complementary alternative medicine. Ooh, and that that's where great. I got, my, <laughs> yeah, that's where I got my backing as an herbalist. Okay. So throughout that process, I really learned about a bunch of modalities, like not just herbalism, but a bunch of modalities, but I felt most connected to herbalism at the time. And um, that's where I really focused a lot of my research on. It's just like researching herbs and plant medicine and their uses and, um, you know, the science behind them. But one of the things that I noticed throughout that 
process was we were having conversations about all of these things. And I think a lot of times in science, we talk about stuff and yes, you know, fact is facts, whatever. But the people who discover these facts are the people who speak truth to these facts or who follow these practices, those are human beings. Yes. And so even though it lives in a text message as something that's not attached to a human, a human discovered this, a human figured this out, a human did this research, a human like worked through these practices. And I felt like every time we talked about the humans behind these practices and behind this medicine, I felt like it was overwhelmingly white. It was just only white people. And I knew that something in my spirit told me that was wrong. Something in my spirit told me that white people were not the only people doing this work. And I know that to be the case because I remember, you know, stories of my grandmother or stories of my parents, you know, growing up in Mississippi or going to visit their families in Mississippi. And so I knew that wasn't right. And that's what led me to ethnobotany because I started wanting to look at all of this plant medicine and all of this work from a lens of culture. Like, who are the people at the root of this work? And I found that Black, Indigenous, and POC, um, we're at the root of a lot of this work. And it's wild because so many of us are wildly disconnected from it. So and the system makes sure <laughs> that we don't feel like we have access to it. If you look at all of the premiums and the costs, for access to a lot of these things. If you have insurance, a lot of times it's not covered with your insurance. Mm -hmm. um, and the education is not always out there unless it's some like sales company trying to get over and like profit off of this wellness industry stuff. And so I thought, what would it look like if I created a space to bring people back home? What if we took this thing called wellness and, and brought it back inside, like brought it back to the house and educated people and really cultivated a conscious remembering because I don't really think that any of this work that I'm doing is new. Like a lot of people will call it new age. It's not new. Our ancestors have been doing this work. Mm -hmm. And um, around the same time, my grandmother transitioned. And when she transitioned, there was such a strong energy release. Um, I would go see her every week and I was going to see her one week. And that was long story short, the week that I discovered that she transitioned and I was the person to find her. And oh when I God. finally, yeah. And you know, it sounds like really traumatic and I guess there's some piece of me that feels that, that just that pure disappointment yeah. of having to be the person to find her, but also having to be the person to tell my mother that was heartbreaking. Um, but there was such an energy shift. I know her spirit waited for me in that room because when I got in there, I felt her and I heard like clear as day, clear as day. Someone tell me we got work to do. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I don't even know what that means, but apparently I have work to do. And okay. I felt this energy transfer of what felt like to me, pure strength. And my grandmother's okay. always resembled strength. Um, she's always been the matriarch of our family and been the strength of our family. And so what I didn't know in that moment, but I know extremely clearly now is that that was my entrance and that was her introducing me as an ancestral healer and telling me like, you need to meet your other ancestors. They have been with you this entire time. You need to start 
putting all of this work that you're doing as an herbalist, all of this work that you're doing as a healer, mm -hmm. this is absolutely a piece of it. And so now it's your job to become a mirror and help other people connect to that piece of them as well. And so herbology is the conglomerate of really all of these experiences Great in the sense that too. like, thank you. Great <laughs> shout out. Um, the fact shout that out nobody to took it, it was, it was waiting on you. Well, it's wild because our editor is actually, her name is Barbara, and she's actually the one that came up with the name because I was going back and forth and really talking to um, a lot of my really close friends about, you know, this business that I felt living within me that just needed to be birthed. Mm -hmm. And I was having a conversation with Barbara, and she was like, you should call it herbology, like a play on, um, well, really, because she was calling herbalism herbology, and I was telling her, like, you know, that's really not a word, right? Oh, <laughs> it's not? Like, no, it's not a word. Herbology okay. is not a word. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, you, learn, you learn something every day. <laughs> exactly. A lot of people say it, and sometimes I feel bad that I named this business that because I feel like I'm leading people astray. <laughs> but, like, but no, I get actually, it, though. It's not a word. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's the, it's, it, you can be the Q-tip of the cotton. Uh, I don't know what I don't even know what a Q-tip <laughs> really is. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Is it a, it's yeah. not a cotton swab, is it? Well, I don't know. Um, you see what I'm saying? Like, we call <laughs> yeah. it a Q-tip. Go buy me some Q-tips, but we're not buying so the brand Q-tip every time we get Q-tips. So you, herbology is the Q-tip of, you know, Exactly, of herbalism. Of herbalism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so she came up with it because she was like, well, Harry Potter called it herbology. And, and I was okay. like, okay. I was like, I like it. I like it. So then I started looking up herbology. And um, actually, there is some brand called herbology. I think it's like a cannabis company, but they use all, and she was like, okay, just take out the vowels. And I was like, oh, simple, easy. So we took out the vowels and herbology was formed. And yeah, so herbology is really a conglomeration of all of these experiences. It's the ancestral healing. It is the herbalism. I mean, you're going to get the super sciencey shit. Like I'm a nerd. I'm a big time nerd. I also attribute that to my Gemini aspect in nature. <laughs> um, but research lights my fire. I love doing research. Um, I love science. I love learning. And also, I would be remiss if I didn't show up for that most spiritual piece of me that continues to expand and grow. And what I think we have done in the West or mm -hmm. what capitalism and colonialism have done in the West is separate spirituality from science or from the physical when really our ancestral roots show that there is no separation and that all of these things are intertwining and we're constantly mm. trying to separate mind, body, spirit, whatever. There is no separation. And you can see that in a lot of rituals and practices and cultures. And so herbology takes all of that and says, like, well, what happens when we put the science with the spiritual? What happens when we put community with personal healing? Um, that's why our mantra is heal self, heal others, because every time I do healing work for myself, I elevate the consciousness of the collective. And every time I come together with the collective to do this work, we elevate even more. So that is what herbology is. <laughs> Ooh, I love your story. I truly do. Thank you. Um, I think it's because um, I literally was just saying this. Um, I actually um, linked with uh, Morgan Malone um, on uh, Sunday, and uh, she actually she, uh, she brought you up too. By the way, oh, yeah, like we, we were just talking. We were just like talking about whatever, and I think she like brought you up as just an antidote for something, and. Uh, 
and she, like she was speaking to how just like she was like, I just love her energy and she just always calls Aww. me down. <laughs> like she should really do like meditation, like meditative, like just audio meditative things. And I was, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna talk to her about that. I could probably help her with that if you really, if she really want to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, so wild. I'm gonna connect with you on that because yeah. it's really funny. People keep saying that. This is the third time this week that someone's been saying that, and I've actually been working on that. And I, I will you. connect with you on it. I got you. I got you. I definitely can. You know, I got the things, but um. What 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 was interesting is she was uh, there working on a lot of things, but she was uh, working on a website and she was just talking about herself and um, speaking to <laughs> some of the like real cute things that she kind of put into the website about her, you know, childlike self saying that I've always been this way, you mm-hmm. know, and I've said I said to her, I was like, it's so interesting how often we get reminded if we really are aware of ourselves, how we came into this world exactly the way that we are now, you know, yeah. like it's not. I think we always see um, our, you know, physical changes and our, you know, life changes to be the summation of who we are when mm-hmm. um, those things are true. But a lot of us, it's like, how can I say, you know, when you get a, you know, when you get a phone and it already comes preloaded with so much and that is yeah. what that phone is. And then you download new things mm-hmm. into yourself. That's kind of how I've always seen, I love that. you know, who we are. Like we still come prepackaged with what we need to come prepackaged with. And there's mm-hmm. things that we need to learn that aid us into being even more of who we are already. Yeah. Um, at least that's how I like to think about it. But I, I love the piece that you, the, the part that you said about um, science and our spirituality being um, so intertwined and connected uh, from, a, at least from a, from a, a black and brown perspective, mm-hmm. at least from, you know, a historical and cultural standpoint. And I love that. I love yeah. that so much because I do think that, there's a lot about science that is very, you know, feels very much like alchemy, feels very much like, you oh, know, absolutely. very much just it's very similar to magic even, you know. And I think that's what oh, makes yeah. it so interesting that, you know, there's such a separation, you know, mm-hmm. or it's always kind of, you know, the stereotype is that if you are into science, then spirituality truly is like hogwash to you. Right. She, you yeah. know, and I think that uh, it's dope that, you know. It's dope, but also very uh, predictable for me, at least, that, you know, <laughs> that black folks have always kind of seen these things as one and one in the same. And uh, oh, yeah. and I fuck with that so much. Ooh, I fuck with Thank that you. so much. Um, but I'm, I'm going to move on. So the types of things that you offer uh, with uh, at Herbology are what, though? Because I definitely want to, you know, yeah, speak to that so- because I think. We, we don't we don't we don't know you know we don't know enough so i think to know what the types of things that you offer might help people mm-hmm. even starting their research obviously starting you know by going to herbology.com but mm-hmm. then also doing further research on exactly what it is that you're offering yeah so there's a few parts to herbology mm-hmm. um one of the pieces is our physical products so right now we sell single herb offerings and um, we also sell um, two handcrafted products. One is a sacred smoke blend. Mm-hmm. And so that is a compilation of herbs that don't have cannabis in it, but pair beautifully with cannabis if you want. Um, you could smoke it on its own. You can smudge it if you're not a smoker at all. You can use it as a smudging blend in your home, um, or you could blend it with cannabis. Um so that's one of our products. It's called Sacred Smoke. Mm. And then we also have a bath tea. And so something that you'll see in a lot of different traditions is this, this active bathing or this active, a spiritual bath. And so 
Herbology created a sacred soak blend, which is really about creating that sense of intentionality and sacred nature into every soak session you have. So whether or not you're deeming this to be a spiritual bath, you pour this this soak uh, blend in this bath tea into your bath. And whether it has, I mean, we have, it's a beautiful smell one, but it also is, um, skin softening so that whatever you're soaking for, whatever your intention is, you are taking care of the skin. It has a myriad of um, different salts like Epsom salt, Himalayan pink salt, sea salt. Um, That is really helpful for detoxing the body, removing toxins and um, yeah, just basically pulling what doesn't serve you from, from the spirit and from the physical aspect of the body as well. So that's what we sell in our product section. We actually, as of the 27th, are going on a slight selling lull. We're going to be going into pre-sales for the spring because we'll have even more products dropping in the spring, which I'm really excited. Um, So stay tuned for that. Um, And then there's also a services division. And so the services portion, and this is all very clearly laid out on our site, the services portion is how you can have access to me as an herbalist, how you can have access to me as an ancestral healer, how you can have access to any ancestral healing courses we have or courses in general. We do have an herbology healing school. Our first course starts at the end of this month on November 30th. Um, and it is an ancestral healing course. Um, I also offer oracle readings and sound healing sessions. And so there's the services division as well. And then the part of herbology that also really just lights me up inside is really the community and the educational aspect. So you can use herbology.com as a resource to learn more about herbs, about complementary and alternative medicine modalities, um, about our products. I think a lot of companies will put out a product when I educate you. They'll say like, this is a moisturizing product or this is a detox product. And it's like, okay, why are you saying that? What are you putting in this product for it to, to carry out that function? And so we really do a lot of intentional work to educate people on why we create the formulas that we create and yeah, and how you can interact with these medicines. Um, and then we, I think we just do so much. And then there's the sage, which is really uh, such a beautiful thing. It's a community journal for healing and anyone can plug into it. If you are um, a writer, a photographer, I'm just wanting to share a piece of your healing journey with community. Um, So we have some really beautiful pieces up there right now for people to check out. Okay. 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 So, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to be a, um, 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 a potential um, customer and, and client and things. Certainly, um, you know, yeah, we've already, we've already started to, you know, have those talks and and go yes. about, about how I can, you know, support, but also, you know, because you're teaching people how to fish around here. That's what I'm getting, you know. <laughs> you know Absolutely. And because I, I believe that, you know, just being able to just assist people in self healing is something that's so powerful to me. Just to, just the just the idea of that sounds so powerful to me. Yeah. Um, but I wanted I wanted to pivot a little bit to okay. um speak to uh something that is a hot topic right now, and that is uh vaccines. <laughs> that is you know this vaccine and this uh very crazy influence of big pharma, 
Um, yeah. And I don't know. I don't really know um, unless I think honestly, especially if you're black and you probably don't even understand until you get sick. The um, the just very um, predatorial and very just damn near criminal, you know, kind of just things that are circling around within the healthcare system. Um, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about someone who needs, you know, very literally life-saving type of medication, um, yeah. just the types of things that are going on around with that. Right now, the hot topic, like I said, is the, this vaccine. <laughs> what do you, yeah. what do you believe is going to be the overall, what is your predictions on what's going to be the overall impact once one of these vaccines from one of these big pharma, um, uh, companies is released, um, to the market? What do you believe the impact will really be to the world based off of your own, I guess, professional and just, you know, and personal opinion? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I just want to caveat and say is that I will likely never become the person who is anti-conventional medicine. I really feel that we all have a place in wellness. Um, And so I'm never going to become the herbalist or like I'm going to naturopathic med school to become a naturopath next year. I'm not going to become a naturopathic physician or an herbalist that is in the business of telling people, you know, don't go get your physical, don't go to a doctor, don't, don't tap into the full access of um, a health team that you deserve to have access to. Um, and so with that being said, I mean, there's a lot of gray areas there because you also have to have a lot of understanding, especially when you look at communities like the black community and you look at our history and you look at our connection to medicine in this country. And there's a lot of trauma there. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that's still happening. I mean, if you look at, um, the mortality rate of black mothers in this country, that is absolutely something that is systemic. And even going to the doctor with my mother over time and seeing how doctors have disrespected and or dehumanized or taken away, um, you know, the fact that she's dealing with chronic conditions and, you know, just really desensitized to that. I understand why black people do not trust our medical system. Mm-hmm. I get it. I totally get it. And so I that's why I'm. I'm really putting this caveat out to say that this conversation is one that doesn't have a yes or a no answer, especially from the perspective of this specific vaccine. Now, um, in terms of vaccines at large, and I'm just going to take out the COVID vaccine for a second because this, that one is a bit different from sure. the way that we typically treat vaccines in this country. Mm-hmm. But um, the way that, I mean, there have been complete illnesses that have been 100% removed from a population because of vaccines. So the power of vaccines is very large. And the process that we typically go through to discover information about vaccines and make them impactful typically is something to be trusted. Typically, okay. I, I am... I am not an anti-vaxxer. Now, when you have a conversation about this COVID vaccine with the speed that it has happened, and I know a lot of people are just really feeling some type of way about the virus in general and Mm -hmm. its origins, um, I would say, you know, I'll I'll just speak for what I would do personally. I'm going to (laughs) wait and see what what becomes of it yes um i'm reading i'm educating myself i'm not making a decision 
one way or another. Um, but I really think it's, it's, there's a lot of gray area. There's just so much gray area with all of this. And I wouldn't feel comfortable to tell people to go one way or another, especially with this COVID vaccine, simply from the fact that like, there's so much we don't know about this virus. Um, there's so much we don't know about this vaccine and it feels like we're on a race to, to figure it out. Um, yeah. so it definitely it's, feels that way. Yeah. I think this is one of those things that yet again, COVID puts us front and center of recognizing that like the way that we've been operating might not be the same way that we're operating moving forward, mm-hmm. specifically in relation to this fact, this, this virus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I'm going to have to sit in ambiguity with the rest of the people on this. And I mean, really hope and pray for positive results. And I think that's another piece of this. Whenever we start having conversations about our lack of faith and our lack of trust in um, our medical system, absolutely. I give space for that because that is our history. That is our trauma. And also I'm envisioning a greater future because we should have access to a medical industry, a medical community that we can trust. That is a divine right that we should have access and should be tapping into and everyone should have access to it. It should not be based off of how much money that you have, which is unfortunately the way it runs in our, in our um, country. Um, And so, yeah, I think that, a huge piece of this is really envisioning greater and and really hoping for greater as we push forward with all of this. I mean, my best friend is in school right now, um, getting her master's in public health. And we have conversations all the time about the fact that like, how many times do we have to be the only black people in the room having these conversations? And I think a lot of times black people, we have also had the conversation of like, well, what if we just pull ourselves out? What if we don't need to be a part of this conversation? But with healthcare, we can't do that. You can't. Because my aunt who has diabetes has to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like, or someone else who's on dialysis or someone else who's having kidney failure or someone else who's having, we can absolutely have those conversations of envisioning greater and creating spaces for ourselves and our people. Mm-hmm. But also we cannot avoid what, what's happening in our reality right here, right now. And so it is important we show up in those rooms. It it is important that we're advocating for one another and for ourselves um, in those spaces. I I feel like I I remember, um, I feel like it's so much confliction, you know, being black in America, you know, being black in the world at this point, Um, just because, you know, you question even the things that may save you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the that is truly the, you know, the thesis statement <laughs> that is, you know, being black in America is that the evil, the evil, the evil is evil and the good may be evil, too. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that and it has a way of, you know, truly making you um, a spook about everything, yeah. you know, not even to use that in a derogatory way, but truly like sure. we are really just very suspicious of all the things. And I think, you yeah. know, it's sad that you can make that argument that is rightfully so, but also make that argument that we can't um, stop ourselves from getting the help that we need as well because of our, our, our uh, hesitations and, yeah. and our, uh, our lack of knowledge of the particular thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's so interesting. And I, and I truly hope that, you know, everything pans to be, pans out to be in for the best good of people. Yeah. You know, I hope this is on some, you know, 
real polio-esque type shit. You know, we just got rid of something, we good, you know, or we got rid of most of it and now we straight, you know? Uh, I really, truly hope that it doesn't cause too much harm to anyone. I hope it's not a bunch, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who take this and then, you know, years later, it's a mesothelioma commercial, you know, about, did you take the Pfizer vaccine? If you know anybody, call 1-800. You know, I I really don't want that to be a situation either. Um, because it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. no telling what the effects are, and, that, and those effects There's that no this telling. number are going to be like astron, you know, just astronomical. Um, yeah, but, but then I, there's also no telling the long-term effects of this virus too. Yeah, and so that else that we're really, you know, we're battling with, and I think something that COVID has taught me this year is like sometimes we just have to sit in the ambiguity, like we really don't know, and I and I have to, I'm trying to get comfortable. I'm mm-hmm. working on getting comfortable with sitting in ambiguity when it comes down to my own personal sense of safety. Yes. See, when it comes down to like, you know, some things, okay, we can sit and we can have conversations about those gray zones, but like whether I will live or die or whether I will be affected, my health will be affected long-term or even short-term, that is something that I at least have I struggle with sitting in ambiguity because I'm like, no, I need to know. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know how this is going to affect me. Yeah. The answer is that we don't know. And, and that's it. That's the answer. We don't know. That's, you know, that's so interesting. I, I literally tweeted, but you know, it's more Gemini shit today to lean into mm-hmm. the uncertainty was the exact tweet. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got that from just reading early this year, the, uh, the seven, uh, seven spiritual laws of success. Uh-huh. Uh, just just that really touching me, you know, just having an intention and maybe possibly not understanding or even knowing whatever's going to yeah. occur, but trusting Thanks. wholeheartedly within to that intention and leaning into the uncertainty because that is the way it should be, that it, sh- yeah. it shall be the way it was supposed to be. And you can't force or create or make it any other way other than the way it was supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of, I'm glad I said, you know, spirituality. Um I do want I do want to um, continue on the things that I feel like are all within your wheelhouse because not only is it this you know this very physical this very physical aspect that you're assisting with in your uh, in your works but also this very um, kind of almost spiritual assistance and spiritual wellness oh, as yes. well and I believe um, I had on uh, a lovely a lovely uh, young lady from London on my podcast several months ago by the name of Sabi Kerr. And she's uh, mm-hmm. uh, a yoga instructor and a self love coach, and she sp- mm-hmm. and she and she was in the conversation. I kind of started with her and, and would love to continue with you, is speaking to um, the commercialization of these different wellness practices, but specifically with you being that commercialization of spirituality. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's been something that's you know it's old as the you know it's old as Catholicism to a certain degree when you're talking about just money being attached to religion. But now we're you know we have you know tele you know tele-religion and uh, and um, so many other aspects and and it's now grown into being these kind of um, pulling from other cultures Mm -hmm. and making them very uh, normalized uh, normalized but also very mainstream practices you know you think about you know you can buy sage from fucking urban outfitters and things like this (laughs) so it's kind of like I would love to know what are your stances when it comes to that? Because I think you're doing it in this very, uh, very organic way where it's like, Hey, I'm not out here just to gouge you guys. I'm trying to help you. 
I'm not trying to do the trendy Coachella ass thing. I'm trying to do the thing that, you know, actually will gain, like make your life better and make your spirit better. What do you feel about, you know, this kind of wave and this trend? Um, because I feel a little bit of two ways about it. You know, I, I see it the same way I looked at um, kind of the natural hair movement to a certain degree where I felt like, yeah, you can see it as a trend, but I feel like the fact that people are kind of getting into themselves and like getting to their, to, into their natural hair and all these different things more than likely is a kind of a good thing too. Like a lot of people might really find and learn so much about themselves by doing that. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I feel about some of these spiritual practices. You know, we're not, you're not, it's, you can, you can commercialize, you know, a lot of, a lot of things, but when you're talking about really playing into things that are really, you know, (laughs) these are deep things and these are going to, they're going to, and they're going to respond back to you to a certain degree. Absolutely. So, so it's almost like, yeah, let's let's not try to, you know, commodify every fucking thing, but also to with throughout the commodification and the spread and the main and making these things mainstream really really may help a lot of people as well. But tell me what you think of this kind of commercialization of spirituality, I guess. Yeah. So I'm just going to start with the fact that we are expansive beings and what yes. by saying that is really just this recognition that just like I said, I've been 5,000 people in this one year. <laughs> and every piece of that has been a part of my expansion. We're all going through that, whether or not we recognize that as showing up as a bunch of different cells or not. But as we expand and as we elevate, we take the tools and the practices that serve us with us. And um, something that I feel like shows up a lot in every space, virtually every space, at least in this country, is this idea of supremacy. And I know we've had so many conversations around white supremacy, but there's supremacy in a lot of different ways that show up into this space. And while we're doing the work of combating white supremacy, we also have to check in with ourselves and ask, where are we practicing supremacy within ourselves as well? This is not one of those like, but what about what we do to each other? I'm not saying that. I'm not making this about like, but what about black on black crime? It's not even that. What I'm saying is as we continue to do the work, the amazing work that we're doing against white supremacy, how can we use some of those tools and those practices and mirror them into the other places that supremacy is showing up? For example, in wellness. I am a healer. I know that to be true. But I don't want you to come to me as if I am going to heal you. I want to be a mirror unto you and teach you how you can have access to these resources and these tools and these rituals to help heal yourself and help heal in community and as a collective. And so the the difference between me saying I need you to look at me like I am the healer, I am a master healer, X, Y, and Z, I use that, I use the word healer only as a a descriptor so that you have an understanding of what you can, how you can use me as a mirror. Not so that I can be your God figure. I don't want to be your God figure. I don't need to be your God figure. Um, You seeing me as that doesn't elevate or diminish my healing at all. Now it may boost my ego, but I'm not here for that. Um, And so I think a lot of times we have fear that some of our practices are getting co-opted because we want to be seen as the supreme in X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, And so I think there is that. I also was listening to a talk with Adrienne Marie Brown 
um, last week, and I, I keep blanking on what school she had this talk with. It was obviously virtual, um, but she was having this conversation. It was really about our social justice movement and just all the beautiful work that's been happening, everything from um, the protesting to the way that we've just been showing up virtually everywhere and really fighting racism in this country. And Angela Davis was on the call. And one of the students asked Angela Davis, like, how do we respond when, you know, we come out with these radical practices and then they get co-opted? And Angela Davis said, if something that you're doing is getting co-opted and put, placed into a, a bigger space or, you know, a space that's not your own, then that means that what you're doing is working. <laughs> like mm. that means that the work that you're doing is working. Mm. And so I say that as hopefully a tool of encouragement for a lot of the people who are in spirit, in the spiritual space and feel like our practices are getting co-opted. Now I'm going to give a flip side of the coin and say this as well. Just like you said, we have to be careful about what we participate in. And yeah. just because something becomes a trending topic, it does not mean that's an open door for you to take it and run with it. Exactly. Um, and so even down to what you were saying about Sage and Palo Santo, like everybody is buying Sage and Palo Santo because that is the only smudge tools that were really introduced to us um, at, in such a grand scale with this wellness industry's boom. And so all people know, like, look at the intention behind that. Why are people buying Palo Santo and Sage? Because we've been told that Palo Santo and Sage helps you cleanse your space. It helps you cleanse your energy. It helps you, you know, do manifestation work. It helps you rid of, you know, unwanted energies. That is what the, the these plant medicines do. That is what we know. Are we having conversations about where that's coming from? Because if we're not having conversations about where that's coming from, how are we going to be right in right relation to this plant? And so in having conversations about where it's coming from, we can learn that a lot of these, these practices, for example, Palo Santo and Sage, come from indigenous peoples of North America and South America. And it was utilized for exactly the same things that I just said. And people see that and they say, I want to cleanse my space. I want to cleanse my energy. I want to rid things that don't serve me from my space and my aura. And so I'm going to purchase Palo Santo and Sage. Mm -hmm. That's great that you had that intention, but let's take it one step further. Let's take it just from, we are consumers by, if you're buying anything in this country, you are a consumer. And so you can hate capitalism, you can hate consumerism, but we buy shit. Exactly. <laughs> so you are a consumer. But when you are a consumer under the lens of spirituality, you got to take it one step further from, from just making the purchase. Where did it come from? Okay, it came from indigenous people. Those people still exist right here today. And so how is this purchase? Now, if we realize that they've been using this for centuries and you're now purchasing it from Whole Foods and Amazon and Urban Outfitters, mm -hmm. At do, the, you think, high do you think that they decided at high rates, if we're all purchasing, do you think that they're starting to use it less? Do you think that they decided to rid their practices of, of thousands and millions of years? No, they haven't. So what is, what is our implication? What are we doing when we purchase this, especially from these brands that are not thinking of these people 
what are we doing? We're causing harm. So now you're not in right relation with the land because both Palo Santo and Sage are now on the endangered species list. So you're not in right relation with the land and you're not in right relation with its people. And so something that you had a beautiful intention for, right? Like we can still harness that energy of like, I want to release, I want to invite the good in and like release what does not serve me. Let's hold on to that intention, mm -hmm. but let's move differently with that intention because now you have the education of being in right relation with the land and its people. And so what else can we use to smudge? And I, I really love having this conversation because it opens up an entire space for people to do more research and yes. more discovery yeah. on what rituals are actually connected to you. Mm -hmm. The indigenous people of North and South America had their smudging rituals, but there's so many cultures in this, and, in and this world. And smudging is just like the burning of these particular herbs, right? Smudging is just the burning of herbs. It's, mm -hmm. Smudging is not only sage. Smudging is not only Palo Santo. Those are just the ones we've heard the most about. Mm -hmm. But for example, I'm very connected to frankincense and myrrh. I'm very connected to a lot of the herbs or the materials used for smudging that originate from ancient Egypt, from Kemet. Yeah. Like, those are things that I tap into. And think about it. If you take that same intention of I want to cleanse, I want to bring good energies in, I want to release energies that don't serve me, and you apply that to something that's directly connected to your lineage or directly directly connected to your path, think about how much more you're amplifying the intention and manifestation of that work yep. instead of just taking something that was a trending topic. And so what I would say you know, to that, to, in that respect is like any spiritual topic that you feel connected to, I'm not shaming you for feeling connected to Palo Santo and Sage. I'm asking you to do more research as to why you're connected to it. You're connected to it because you want to do energy work. How can we make this energy work completely tailored for you? Yeah. So we just have to have more conversations is really the thing. Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's not that, you know, anything is either bad or good, but we have to rehabilitate. Like, we have to think differently from the way that we've been thinking if we're going to return to our spiritual centers. Our spiritual centers do not lie in capitalism. I'll tell you that. Uh, I, <laughs> you can say that again. I, I truly think that it's it's interesting how just, you know, how these particular things work. And I think for me, one big thing that I feel like I was drawn to, because I feel like, you know, growing up in the South, you know, I feel like growing up in the South, you automatically have a uh, introduction into faith and into religion as in organized fashion. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms yeah. of certain, but to me, everything felt so intangible. You know, everything felt yeah. so intangible. Like, yes, you go to church, you do, you know, you give tithes and those different customs. And probably the most tangible thing that I felt like I was doing was the act of praying, right? That is, you mm -hmm. know, a sense of like putting yourself in a certain place and meditating on a particular thing and, or, and being guided within that. But I think for me, what really connected me was, you know, uh, was lighting candles and praying and mm -hmm. doing these kind of more uh, tangible customs that I feel yeah. like connected to me because it felt like I'm truly intentionally, you know, doing something, doing an action in the in the real life, <laughs> in real life with intention mm -hmm. to um, be the catalyst for that that shift. 
be the catalyst for that change, be the catalyst for whatever that is that I'm uh, intending to occur. And I think that's really, really important to me, at least, and maybe important yeah. to a lot of other people. And like reading things like the seven spiritual laws of success yeah. and, um, and, and it being this very applicable book of just giving you like go and ground yourself in nature, mm-hmm. like go outside and, and, and spend so much time outside. And, and and when it comes to meditation and when it comes to this and it comes to that, I think I really became understanding of myself to be very drawn to these very tangible practices. Of, yeah. uh, of health and wellness, but obviously health and wellness, but spirituality, most importantly, it feels mm-hmm. good. It feels great. It feels like I have a, a hand in it. Not that I'm just kind of just believing and letting it go. You sure. know, I feel that I'm at, cause I, and I think I love the, um, I think I love spiritual practices that don't feel like they are, um, att- there's some whimsy to them. And they're mm-hmm. not, not attached to some sense of damnation. <laughs> like if I don't yeah. do these things, then it's going to be bad for me. And sure. that, cause that, cause then the, what's the motivation, you know? And I think that you can damn near question the motivation to a certain degree because it's like, exactly. Oh, I go to church and I do all these things. So I don't want, I don't, I'm, I'm genuinely scared of what the, uh, this, what, what my idea of the afterlife looks like. So I want to be a good person because that's my incentive, you know, when it's like, mm-hmm. why not find, find those things within and just manifest those things and not and not be just have and not just have this kind of negative reinforcement to your actions. Um, but I, I, I love. I love that, that you're doing this. I love that you've done this. You, you're doing this work to the point to where you're literally, you know, educating yourself more, created a whole entire business so that you can <laughs> provide these things for people. Um, but there was something that we talked about in this in our pre-interview that I really would like to uh, end on. And okay. that is um, because within with I think within doing, you know, these things within physical wellness, within your spiritual wellness, um, one pointed thing that I think is so important is that um, is that ancestral connection, regardless yes. of whatever your um, regardless of whatever your religion or spiritual practices is, whatever your belief system may be or lack thereof, I think um, having a reverence for those that came before you, yes. for those that are still within you, mm-hmm. uh, even from a uh, biological standpoint, you know, I, I, I listen to life. I was, I was listening to biology. I was listening in that class. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And just thinking, I always thought it was beautiful to know that, that even when you think about our DNA and how our DNA has, you know, the, the literal makings of all those that came prior to us. Yes. Uh, and that's, and that's the thread, the literal thread that keeps us um, connected and understanding of where we came from, of this mm-hmm. is how you got here because this, this and a, a, a million other things had to occur for you to get here. And that is what's all the summation of who you are. It's literally exactly. running through your blood and in every piece of you uh, yeah. is that piece of DNA. And I love that part about us. And that's that physical sense of it. But I would like mm-hmm. to speak to the more spiritual sense as well. Um, I would love to know how you have allowed in your own learnings and your own self practices that you've adopted, have allowed your ancestors and the connection to your ancestors to direct uh, your life so that we could possibly um, take on some of those things and approach life that way as well um, to connect to ours. Because, you know, especially black people, we are so, we're literally, you know, from a, a historical standpoint so disconnected 
Um, And I I, I think we will benefit so much just with the knowledge of, you know, even if it's just that internal feeling that this is what it feels like. I feel like I really was, you know, my my great, great whoever is really guiding me. And I don't even know who that one is. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know who that man is, but I feel like they're guiding me. Those types of things. I would love for you to speak to that. Yeah, it's really about intention. Our ancestors are with us every second of every single day. Um, Regardless of how you feel spiritually about God, Source, Gaia, you know, however you, um, however you choose to, to see it or label it. Some people say the universe, you know. I use all of these things interchangeably. Mm-hmm. You can, I mean, there's some people who don't use any of them. There's some people who refuse to acknowledge in general, but you cannot refuse to acknowledge that someone came before you. Yeah. Like you, that's not something you would not be here yeah. today if someone else didn't exist. Yeah. And that's powerful. powerful. That's a truth you can't take away. Mm-hmm. You can't take that truth away that you came from someone else, regardless of if you have a emotional, a, a positive emotional connection to your family or not. Someone came before you um, and someone came before them and again and again and again. And there's an entire lineage of people who existed to the point that you exist right here today. And um, something and I'm going to bring this back up into to science real quick, um, but something that a lot of people have learned in science is that like energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's something that a lot of people learn in physics. And then we also recognize that for something to be alive. Yeah. Like for something to be alive, it also has energy, right? Like that's chemistry. Like Mm -hmm. we need, you know, kinetic um, forces. That's all chemistry. Um, That's energy. Right. So if we know that energy can neither be, created nor destroyed and we know that all living things have energy then why is it that when our ancestors or when our elders or when our people transition we think they're dead Mm. they're not dead that energy has transferred energy can neither be created nor destroyed we know that to be a fact so why is it that when we cease to exist on this 3d plane we think that person that spirit is gone that energy is not gone. Yeah. That energy has transferred into something else. That is your ancestral, um, your ancestral energy. That is your ancestral lineage. And we have so much energy to tap into with that being said. And so I invite my ancestors into everything that I do. I'm sitting at my altar right now having this conversation with you. Okay. I've been staring at my grandfather this entire time because okay. I feel like he's present. Um, I've never met him. Um, he he transitioned before I was alive, but I've been connecting more and more with him this year than ever. Um, once you start the process of ancestral healing, just like anything, remember you said you got to be careful what you step into because it'll come. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing happens with ancestral healing is that the second that you start asking for your ancestors to talk to you because they've already been here. They're, they, they're already around. It's, it's energy, right? You know, they're, they already exist. They're already in your ethos. But the second that you decide to open up the portals to recognizing what it is they're saying, they will send you messages. Mm. And so it's really about intentionality. Yeah. 
being intentional and asking your ancestors to enter spaces, talking to them, showing gratitude for them. Um, that is how you start to see the signs. I heard my grandmother say, we got work to do. I could have chose to be like, oh, grief will do crazy things to people. You know, I could have chose to go on that route and then just completely avoided what it was I heard that day. I could have cho chosen to um, pretend that that's not something that I heard, but I heard it so clearly. And I decided that day that I was going to surrender to that voice. And I surrendered to that voice. And throughout time, I started just receiving more information about my ancestors. Like I, I made the decision that I was going to start my ancestral healing journey. And the next thing I know, like my mom, my uncle, they were calling me about information about my ancestors based out of Mississippi. I didn't even ask. Damn. I didn't even ask. My uncle called me one day and was like, I just, you know, I wanted to tell you that, you know, your great grandmother was a doula and you come from healers and doulas and hoodoo practitioners. And mm. like, you're not the only person who's been doing this work, but I felt like I was, I'm the first person in my family to talk about this, this, except for my aunt. I'm the only person outside of her who has really talked about it. And she's really just started talking about it a little bit more in the last 10 years or so. And so like, I thought I was alone in this. And my, my ancestor sent that message to me through my uncle of like, nah, we here. And the way that you were getting everything so easily when you were getting your master's, that was us too. Cause this is run, this runs through your blood. Like, um, but I set that intention and I decided to surrender and you have to decide to surrender. And so um, shameless plug here, back to Herbology's uh, ancestral healing course. I'm teaching people everything I know about ancestral healing in this course, everything from journal prompts to building your own rituals to physically doing research to figure out what your lineage is. And I'm not just talking about lineage of people we are, we share bloodline with, because we also have other lineages. Like you might have a political lineage. You might have a pleasure lineage. You might have um, a radical thought lineage. Mm. These are all people who came before you who build up into who you are today. So okay. we have an infinite amount of lineages that we can tap into. And those are ancestors for us. And based on how we're connected to those people, we can participate in ritual and practices to show gratitude and divine with these individuals and tap into these um, to these layers of support. And really, yeah, ancestral healing is just really so expansive because it's all of our guides, really. Um, everyone who came before us, um, and especially our elevated ancestors, I try to do the work of having the conversation with people about the importance of calling on your elevated ancestors, the people who just like we're on our ascension path, mm -hmm. you want to like, if you want to ask somebody for support, or if you want to ask somebody for, um, any level of advice, are you going to ask the friend who, you know, is wanting your greatest good? Or are you going to ask the friend who doesn't have the capacity for that? The same mm -hmm. thing goes for our ancestors. We're calling on our an elevated ancestors who've done the ascension work. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, a, it's, it's nothing that I feel like I can put all into this one conversation. But what I would say is set the intention and commit to it. You know, whether that is setting up an altar, whether that, whether that is writing, whether that is learning more about your lineage, just start, set the intention, put it out there, whether that's just you before going to bed, physically saying like, 
ancestors, I'm calling on you. I'm creating space for you to enter into my life and allow that to be that um, and continue saying that. But okay. then also when those messages come, document them, pay attention to them, honor them, acknowledge them, because you're not just acknowledging thoughts and synchronicities. You're acknowledging your lineage. You're acknowledging your ancestors. You're loving on them and think of it as a courting relationship in that way. You're building that relationship with your elders, with your ancestors, with those who, who you know, have come before you. Mm. So you right in you right in line of exactly what my last uh, thing that I was going to ask you to do. That was so, so much and so beautiful. So it beautifully put. <laughs> it was it was a lot in the best way because I think it's uh, it's heavy. That's that's yeah. a heavy ass experience that it keeps occurring. You know, yes. that you throughout your life, you you quickly recognize what what it is that you wanted to do. And then yeah. you kept getting the signs and you kept getting the signs yeah. to the point to where you couldn't ignore them. And by the time and then everything kind of linked to the point to where it's like, ah, oh, no, this is me and I am this and this yeah. is what I'm doing. And now there's even more. There's still more discovery within there's that. Still even, more. even once you start walking that path, there's still more discovery within that. And that's so fucking inspiring. Because thank you, it's so fucking inspiring. Because I think we, um, especially now, especially now, when so many of us possibly feel in um, in solitude, and feel alone, and feel like we don't have anyone with us, um, at least in a physical sense, um, we can lean yep. in and 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 find our direction. You know, truly build into our higher selves so we can connect. You know, with the th tap into the things that are always with us and tap into our ancestors that are always with us. That's beautiful. Exactly. That's beautiful as hell. My last, um, my last thing I ask you to do is my send it on portion. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an R and B ass dude. So I love, um, D'Angelo. So at this point in the episode, you're hearing, you know, some real cool, soulful beats and drums and sounds behind my love voice. It. And my send it on, uh, it's a call of action segment, essentially. And I would love, love, love if you could give the people and me, because I'm, I'm, look, you're teaching me things, uh, <laughs> at least one holistic practice that we could possibly start uh, today that we can adopt into our lives today if, uh, if needed. And um, yeah, give us one thing. Take what serves you and leave what doesn't. Is, and, and that's just a sense that's just an, I guess an affirmation you would say to, to take on yeah as you go throughout your holistic journey you will be introduced to so many tools a lot of resources everybody will tell you this is exactly the way that I do it this is the way that it needs to be done these are the herbs that I take for this these are the practices that I do for that this is the way that I divine with my ancestors take what serves you and leave what doesn't don't get wrapped into not agreeing with something don't get wrapped into something not feeling right for you you are on your path take what serves you leave what doesn't Ooh, i like that nice and concise too Ooh, like that and yeah <laughs> but no mariah you've, you've given me so much and i know that you've given everyone who's listened so much and I've taken a good chunk of your time and day and I, you know, and shout out to you and your ancestors that 
are uh, listening in. <laughs> uh, listening in right <laughs> they now. They definitely in been here. Proximity, <laughs> in close proximity right now. Yes. Because um, I understand these type of, uh, I love that, you know, I feel like my podcast is definitely presented a space to be, uh, to be as woo-woo as woo-woo can be. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and I'm glad that I'm consistently um, bringing people on to bring even more sense to the woo-woo-ness of yes. the world. with woo-woo rye. Yeah, yeah, with woo-woo <laughs> rye, you know? So um, I would love, 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 uh, before you go, to give everybody a way for they uh, a cool, quick way they can actually support you and follow you and all the things. Um, yeah, let them know. Yes, thank you for opening space for that. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and, and Twitter at Herbology, H-R-B-L-G-Y. Um, and then you can also head to our website. It just launched last week. It's beautiful. It's dope. It is a resource. Um, that's H-R-B-L-G-Y.com. Yes, and you can also find this all under the description of this particular episode as well, so you can get right on to it. Um, if you don't know, now you know you can stream the Simply King podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Yes. Like, you know, like Spotify, like Google, the Google uh, podcast uh, platform, uh, as well as the Apple podcast platform that's already on your phone. Don't delete it. Go download it. Go get it. It's in the cloud. Yes. Go get it. And uh, make sure that you share, review, and like all the things, um, especially leave a review. Um, I appreciate that. That definitely helps everything, helps everyone. I see y'all leaving them reviews. I see y'all doing them ratings. Believe some reviews too. I see you. I appreciate them ratings. Give me, let me know what you think. You feel me? If you're there, go ahead and go ahead and do the whole thing. Don't do half of the thing. You feel me? Um, but as I always say, this is uh, definitely um, family size content. And I would love if you all could share it because you will be so uh, shameful if you feel like you ate that whole bag of family size chips by your own, on your own. <laughs> so share a little bit of that. Don't be stingy with this, all right? Um, and make sure that you support Mariah and, and her team at Herbology. Get you some of that sacred smoke. Get you some of that sacred soak because it's, yes. it's, it's just good for you, you know? Why not? Get into it. Lean into it. Mariah, I thank you. Thank you so much, Rodney. I truly thank you for giving me your time. Um, and uh, and you know what? We're going to keep building, girl, because this Gemini connection is already a thing. You feel oh, me? Oh, absolutely. It came, it came in a very whimsical We learned this unintentionally in a whimsical way, which just speaks to even more of the greatness of being a Gemini. You know, I love that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I truly do. I truly do. Same but no, Gemini but no. fan. Yes, but we're going to definitely continue to chop it up about all, all, all the things that I feel like we can exchange and build on. And I can't wait to uh, get into all the things that you do, get into all the things that you provide as well. Um, if you um, uh, if you don't know, you also can follow me at the Simply King Pod on uh, IG and Kings underscore Memoirs on all uh, social media platforms. Check me out. Check me out. Check me out. You've just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. I'm Rodney Perry, and this is Simply King. Peace. My friends like a big fruit. Again, he told me that when I was only a youth. I don't walk around trying to be what I'm not. I don't waste my time trying to get what you got. The work you're pleasing me goes can't please you. And that's why I do what I do. My soul flies free like a willow tree. Do what